So I heard a story last week about this gal who went to see her preacher, and she was complaining about her husband and his anger issues. It seems like every time they got in any kind of discussion, he's flipped out. I mean, he's lost it. And so the preacher said, well, here's what I want you to do. Next time it looks like he's going to flip out, you excuse yourself. You go into the kitchen, get a glass of water, take a big swig, and just swirl it around in your mouth until he calms down. And she thought, well, that's kind of goofy, but she agreed to it. About two weeks later, she bumped into her preacher again. She said, you're a genius, man. I cannot believe how well that worked. We started to get into it. I went out in the kitchen. I got me a swig of water. I swirled around my mouth a little bit, and he calmed down. Everything was fine. What in the world is going on with the water that makes that work? And he said, oh, honey, it doesn't have anything to do with the water. I think you'll find it was keeping your mouth shut that did the trick. (laughs) We're continually talk these days about how to uh, treat Christ in how to treat people in a loving way, Brent. <laughs> and we're going to continue in the Gospels for a bit, only we're going to move from Luke to Matthew for a little bit. We're going to continue looking at some Ortberg and Wearsby and Barclay and wherever else I can steal material because we want to learn to love people like Christ loves people, and, and we're going to go that way. Now, somebody just asked me a couple of weeks ago, when all this talk we've been doing about treating other people in a Christ-like way, can we ever get mad at people? I mean, is it ever okay to get angry? Because people make me mad sometimes. And the short answer to that is yes. In fact, we're commanded to do that. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Paul says, be angry. In other words, there's a time to be righteously upset. But in your anger, don't sin. So you can be mad, but you've got to do it the right way, and that's tough to do. I don't know, 20 some years ago, 23 or so, when I left Indianapolis Power and Light and went from part-time here to full-time, man, I had a family that I could not please ever, no matter what I did. And so I came on full-time, and I'm in the, in the office of the little building over there. I haven't built this church yet. And man, I'm not kidding. No cell phones back then, an answering machine. And they'd call me on the phone. No kidding. Every day I got a call. And if I answered the phone, they'd say, is that all you got to do is sit in a church all day and talk on the phone? Shouldn't you be out making hospital calls and calling people? If they called I wasn't here, they'd leave a message on the machine. I thought we hired you full-time. Where are you at? I mean, I could not win with these people. I, I can't tell you how many times I'd get a phone call and they'd say, hey, just check to see if you're there. I'm here. Okay, thanks. Have a good day. So I know Jesus told me I'm supposed to love my neighbors and I'm supposed to love my enemies. I just couldn't figure out which category to put these people in. You know what I mean? But here's what happened to me over time. I found myself enjoying being irritated by this family, and I'd talk about them to anybody that would listen. I found myself not loving them. I found myself not wanting to try to love them. And so as it turned out over time, that family wasn't my problem. I was my problem. See how that works? So we want to talk a little bit about anger because, see, we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to divide the world up into two categories. you got ding-dong heads and you got normal people like me. Jesus divided people up into two categories too. People who are ding-dong heads who know they're ding-dong heads and people who are ding-dong heads that don't know they're ding-dong heads. Here's the issue. We're all ding-dong heads, and because of that, you love that, don't you? We have to deal with this anger issue. So we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. And in the beginning, it's kind of confusing, but then when you look at it, it's really deep and inspiring words from Jesus. It's familiar. You'll get it as soon as I read it. Here you go. You've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Rakah, is answerable to the courts. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. 
Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer. You'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you're not going to get out until you've paid every last penny. Remember that text? See, it's about anger. Now, here's the deal. Angers have been around for a long time, all the way back to Cain and Abel. Remember them? Now, no relation to me personally, but I do think they were distant cousins to Jeff. I'm not really sure about that. But here's <laughs> In the ancient world, before the Ten Commandments, um, there was not much justice, and uh, rich and powerful people could get by with anything. Aren't you glad we're over that these days? But anyway, there were no district courts and no police departments. But what would happen if somebody killed somebody in your family, you were allowed by law to send a blood avenger out, and they would execute the person. And the blood avenger was always somebody in the family who was the fastest and the nastiest and the meanest, you know, like The Rock or Chris Hemsworth or Jake Perleball or somebody like that. And, and then the Ten Commandments came along, thou shalt not murder even for vengeance. And so that moved everybody in the right direction for justice. But human nature being what it is, it wasn't too long until people started dividing everybody up into groups again. You had good people, bad people, who were murderers or non-murderers. And as long as I didn't ice somebody, then I was a good person when it came to anger. Jesus says, not so fast. And he starts with anger because really when you think about it, anger is our biggest spiritual problem. I mean, we just said it starts all the way back with Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers. It's all through the Scripture, and it hasn't gotten anything but worse today. According to the Domestic Center of Violence, uh, there are 20 people a minute who are physically abused by an intimate partner in this country. 20 a minute. Now, you couple that with anger in the classroom. We got anger in workplace. Let's not forget Portland, Oregon, for heaven's sakes. You know, we're a mess. And contempt and anger is the root to all this. If we could get rid of those two things, we'd be on the road. So why is it such a big problem? Well, it has to do with what we talked about so many times here in the past. Each one of us have our own little kingdom. And in my little kingdom, I get to, to decide what happens. I get to create. I get to initiate. I get my own way. And what happens is when you get angry, it's because someone or something has gotten in the way of your getting your way. And your will says, hey, something got in the way of me getting my way, and I'm not happy about it. And so the first thing we do with that is we put the hurts to whatever it is that's getting in our way. We, we will to destroy it. I'm in a hurry. I've only got 20 minutes left. I've got to get ready for church. And all I've got left to do is weed eat that ditch in front of my house. But I can't get the weed eater started. And I pull and pull and pull on the thing. I finally get it started. It runs out of the stuff. You know what I mean? Stupid weed eater. You just throw it in the weeds. Well, I've got a smartphone, but my weed eater's not smart. That's just me getting out of control. Somebody's playing golf. This is not me, seriously, but somebody plays golf. They hit a bad shot. They throw their golf club. They kick their bag. They punch their caddy. Stupid golf club. We lose control, you know what I mean? I read last week, true story, a guy in Bellevue, Washington, his car got stuck in the snow. We've had a little snow here recently, and he's furious. So he got out of the car, took a tire iron, smashed all the windows in his own car, took out his gun, shot all four tires, reloaded a new clip, and emptied it on his car. The police chief in Bellevue, Washington, said it was a clear-cut case of autocide. Now, here's the deal. 
It's not normally people. I said it's a true story. Uh, the, the auto side I added uh, from Melvin Williams. Um, it's not normally the weed eater and the golf club that makes us mad, is it? No, it's normally people. And, and what happens is instead of saying stupid weed eater and stupid golf club, we start saying stupid person. And the problem with Jesus with that is a heart issue. What he's concerned about is not me losing my cool and getting upset. What he's, what he's uh, worried about is me starting to will the harm for somebody else. That's the second dimension of anger. We not only start thinking bad, we start wanting bad for the other person. Uh, John Ortberg says this, I love this. To Jesus, it is never okay to cease to will the good for another person. Never. And so that's one of the reasons why Jesus is so concerned with our anger issue. That's why he said, you heard it said, thou shalt not murder, you be uh, subject to judgment. But I'm telling you, if you're angry with somebody, your brother or sister, you'll be subject to judgment. Now, the word for anger here that he uses in the Greek is intense anger. It's orgisonomos, and it's where we get our word orgy. This is an orgy of anger. It's huge. And Jesus said, when you have that kind of intense anger, which we're all capable of, the judgment is intense too. And we say, well, wait a minute, Jesus, that's kind of a little over the top, isn't it? I mean, to judge me for getting mad at somebody is setting the bar a little high, right? No, see, here's the deal. When God looks at us, he's capable of watching somebody do something nasty to him or to each other. And God is capable of checking out all the extenuating circumstances, his environment, his genetics, what happened that day and the day before, and still at the same time will the good for that person. He does all at the same time. You and I can't do that. Me, for example, when I get mad at somebody, I don't will the good for them. And it doesn't matter who it is. When I'm mad at them, I don't want good for them. And when that happens, I move into my kingdom instead of God's kingdom, and he doesn't like that. Anger is also dangerous because it turns to contempt, and then that leaks out of us. And it, it, it never stays buried. Anger never stays buried. It always comes out in words and in action. The two illustrations Jesus gives here is, number one, he says, you, you know, if you say rakah to your brother or sister, then you're going to be taken before the Sanhedrin. But if you say, you fool, ah, you're guilty of the fires of hell. Rakah was a contemptible word. Uh, it was a huge insult because it, I don't know much in Hebrew at all, but I do know that when you say rakah, it's the guttural sound like, like you're going to spit, like that. It's huge contempt, huge insult. But then we move from that to what Jesus says, you call you fool, our words. We get mad, our words. You stupid, worthless piece of, you know how we do. We get mad and our, our words get nasty. Somebody might be tempted at this point and say, well, you know, it's not me. When I get mad, I don't explode. When I get mad, I don't start screaming, and I certainly don't cuss. So I must not have an anger issue. Well, honey, you might not have an anger issue, but what you do have is a boat tied up to the dock in the river of denial because there's a whole lot of other ways to lose your temper than just with your words. How you look at somebody, how you don't look at somebody. Ask my kids that one. How you talk to somebody, how you don't talk to somebody. How you touch somebody, how you... Don't talk, touch somebody. Sarcasm, sabotage, withdrawing yourself, avoiding, placating. So many ways that you and I can be just as hurtful, just as unloving, and just as sinful as if we're speaking it. 
So this is not a set of rules. This is an opportunity from Jesus for us to change our hearts, to use love like we're supposed to. And that's hard for us when we don't get our way and our will. It's hard for you to be loving when my guy didn't get elected and my law didn't get passed and my opinion didn't get even looked at and my authority didn't get respected and my team didn't win and I didn't get my way. How are you and I supposed to be mad at that without being bad with that? Somebody says, well, behavioral modification, wrong. Anger eats behavioral modification for breakfast. We have to change our heart. We got to take Jesus' advice here. When we get mad, we don't ever will the harm on anybody else. And we don't speak destructive words to each other like we're calling fool and whatever else we come up with these days. And then we follow the rest of this passage. So we're finally to point number one in the back. Thanks for being patient. Number one, we remember that relationship is always more important than being right. Always. Jesus said, when you uh, bring your gift to the altar and you get here, you realize somebody's got something against you. And by the way, they might be right, you might be right, might be a combination of both. Doesn't make any difference at all. Reconciliation is always the first thing you do. Because that's what love does. And that's what love always does. And that's what you and I are trying to learn to do, is to love. Last spring, before COVID hit, we were still doing Wednesday night dinners, which we've started doing again until the snow hit. And anyway, it was my night to pick up the chicken at Kroger. We'd ordered 150 pieces of chicken at Kroger. It was just good chicken, and it's my turn to go get it. Well, I went home and did my run in business, and I was running a little late because I had to finish my episode of Gunsmoke. You understand that, right? So, you know, I finally get to Kroger, and there's a spot up front, and so I pulled in up front, and when I got up there, some idiot had parked sideways in that spot so we didn't scratch his car brother. You know how that goes. So I go inside, and the stooge behind the counter didn't even know anything about the chicken. I said, I ordered chicken. Well, go get somebody that knows. Finally, the manager came out. The chicken was right there. Duh. Then I get in line. Some fool's going through their coupon book to save 15 cents on a head of lettuce. I got 15 cents. You know, you want it. And not to mention the ding-dong-headed cashier was talking to anybody who'd want to listen about what her and her girls were going to do when they got off of work, you know. And I'm livid. I'm late until you reflect on that a little bit. Whose fault is it? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, brother. We'll talk after. You know, I'm supposed to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in my mind and heart, I've already said idiot, stooge, fool, and ding dong head. I didn't say that on my mouth, but you could see it in my eyes, my face, and the way I acted. And the invitation from Jesus here is not, okay, grit your teeth and don't kill anybody. And it's not, you know, refrain from calling somebody rakah or fool or something else. The invitation from Jesus Christ is for Jim Cain to die a little bit to Jim Cain's ego. To lie a little bit to my way, to getting my way. To start being rational and look at things in, in reality and realize I, I'm not in control of how somebody... Uh, takes care of my chicken order, how somebody parks their car, how somebody goes through their coupons, how somebody checks somebody out at the register. What I am in control of is how I handle that, how I react to that. And the way I'm supposed to react to that is to put their needs ahead of mine. Look out for the interests of others. I've read that someplace else, right? Now, the word of warning here is not everybody's going to be receptive to that. You know what I mean? Especially in an argument. You finally decide, well, i got to reconcile. i got to go fix this. i got to go. It might be they don't want anything to do with it. But you and I have to at least be willing 
to show God will do what we do. We can't control the outcome, but we can give our heart to it. Secondly, we've got to be kind to our enemy. This woman went to her doctor, and she said, Doctor, I just got stung by a bee, and it hurts really bad. And he said, No problem. I'll put some cream on it. She said, I don't know how in the world you're going to do that. That bee's miles away by now. He said, No, ma'am. I'm not going to put cream on the bee. I'm going to put some cream on the place where he stung you. Well, he stung me down there in the garden underneath the spruce tree. Ma'am, you're not listening to me. Where is it on your body that that bee stung you? He stung me on my finger. Which one? Well, how do I know? Bees all look alike to me. You know, sometimes we get mad at people because they're just airheads. They're not listening. But sometimes it's a lot worse. It's a lot worse. The illustration that Jesus says here is it's a courtroom deal. Somebody's taking you to court. They have wronged you in a major way, and some of us have been there. How do you handle that? Settle the matters quickly. In fact, the word he uses here means make friends with, be kindly disposed towards. In other words, you generally try to understand and help the person out. They took you to court, and you're supposed to be nice to them? Yeah. Yeah. About 35 years ago, I had somebody wrong me, and I don't mean a little. I admit to you when I'm, when I'm wrong, I was not wrong this time. And I was wrong in a life-altering bad way. And I'm telling you, I hated him. And that's an ugly, nasty thing to have in your heart. I hated him. And uh, my wife, who has saved me from a lot of things, saved me from this one. She said, babe, you can't love some or hate somebody and pray for them at the same time. You better start praying for them. And I prayed for him. And to my shame, it took a month. But I can tell you, honestly, 35 years later, not only do not I hate this person, but when I think about her, and I don't very often, I pray for her total redemption. And I've not hated anybody since because I know how to fix it. Thank you very much, sweetheart. You pray. Thirdly, we need to be intentional about how we feed our minds. Listen to me carefully, family. I love you, and I hate to keep harping on this, but our culture is out to make you mad. I want you to beware of outrage merchants because they're everywhere. They're on the TV. They're on the radio. They're on the podcast. They're online. Everywhere you went, there are merchants of outrage trying to make you mad. I I saw a a post from a guy not too long ago who, who said, if your preacher is not talking about social justice from the pulpit, you need to find another church. And the next day, I saw a post from another guy that said, if your preacher is talking about social justice from the pulpit, you need to leave that church. I got an idea. Quit listening to merchants of outrage because they're just trying to make us mad. I haven't watched a newscast since October, and you ask my family, I used to be addicted to Fox News. I wouldn't even watch the local news because you can't get the truth and because they're just all about keeping us upset and mad at each other, and they're doing a real good job. Jesus said, here's the illustration he uses, if somebody makes you go one mile, you go with them too. And we all know the back story there. Uh, in Jesus' time, Roman soldiers were allowed by law to make anybody at any time carry their load for a mile. And people hated them for that because they, they were politically, they were huge enemies, and religiously, they were huge enemies. And so when you got to your mile, man, you dropped your stuff. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You belong to the kingdom of God. Somebody makes you carry something a mile. When you get to that mile, say, please, please, please. Would you let me carry it one more? And again, this is not a set of rules. This is an opportunity to this week 
look at somebody squarely in the face and love them anyway if they disagree with you politically or religiously, and you're not going to have any problem finding that. And you don't do it with gritted teeth. You do it with love in your heart through the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, you reflect on the cross. I mean, you just look at the cross. I mean, that ought to be enough said right there. The cross represents us, the whole idea of good and evil and anger and love and all those different things. And the whole picture of Jesus in the garden, that devotion you and I just did on the way to Nashville Saturday where Jesus' words in the garden, all things are possible for you, Lord, but not my will, but your will. Not my way, not my little kingdom way, but your way, Lord. That should be our prayer in dealing with each other constantly and dealing with the people around us. We come to this table. And I'll tell you, the best way to do that this morning is uh, if you're mad at somebody, odds are pretty good in a group this size, somebody's ticked off with somebody right now. You might be sitting next to them. The long answer is to pray for them constantly until that's gone and ask the Holy Spirit to change your heart. The, the, the quick short answer this morning is for you to come up and pick up this cup, bring your cup with you, and recognize the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And just think about how many times this week you made him mad. How many times just this week you sinned against him and he forgave you anyway? You'll walk out of here okay with whoever you're mad at, I guarantee you. Lord Jesus, you're just such a great Savior such a great Lord I know you're not willing that any should be lost we're praying the same thing this morning in this place this morning not only will you teach us a little more about this anger issue because it's it's rampant but if there's anybody in this building today Lord that has not taken that step walked from one kingdom into yours that you'll give them that nudge this morning the Holy Spirit, you'll convict their hearts and they'll come right up here to where I'm sitting and we can take care of business. We love you. We praise you. We long to spend some time with you. It's in your precious name.